Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Thursday, June 23rd. Coming up, the worlds of agriculture and environmental conservation often conflict, but a new project in Kansas brings together scientists and ranchers to see if invisible GPS fencing can control cattle and keep them out of sensitive areas. Yeah, so when cattle create the cattle trails through the stream, it destroys that vegetation and it's harder for it to grow back. Plus, how high prices for corn and soy are affecting your grocery bill. But first, some headlines. Workers at Starbucks in Midtown Kansas City won their vote to unionize yesterday. KCUR's Savannah Hawley has more. Baristas at the 41st and Main Street Cafe voted 5-4 to to organize as members of Workers United. Union leaders cited unsafe working conditions during the pandemic and the company's failure to address discrimination in the workplace. The Midtown location is the third Kansas City cafe to unionize. Workers at the 75th Street location in Overland Park won their election in April, and the 39th Street Starbucks in Independence approved a union in May. The Plaza Starbucks was one of the first to unionize, but the union lost its vote when it ended in a tie. Organizers are challenging those results. Lawyers representing three men accused in the deadly 2018 sinking of a duck boat say Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt has no authority to pursue a criminal case against their clients. The Midwest Newsroom's Steve Vakrat has more. Nearly four years ago, a boat went onto Table Rock Lake for a sightseeing tour just before a huge storm arrived. That storm caused the boat to sink, killing 17 people on board. Last year, the Stone County prosecutor filed criminal charges against three employees of the company that put on the boat tour. They were accused of being careless about passenger safety, but a judge in April dismissed that case, saying that there was not enough evidence that a crime had happened. Two days later, Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt filed nearly identical charges. Now defense lawyers want that case dismissed, too. They're saying that Schmidt, who is running for a U.S. Senate seat, can't file criminal charges unless the local prosecutor invites him to. A Republican attorney working on the January 6th Congressional Committee is reportedly leaving to explore a run for U.S. Senate in Missouri. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has more. John Wood led the committee's gold team, which examined Donald Trump's possible involvement in the January 6th insurrection. According to the Washington Post, a committee supporting a potential Wood campaign set up a website and began fundraising this week. To get on the ballot as an independent, Wood would have to collect 10,000 signatures by August 1st. If Wood joins the race, he already has the support of former Missouri Senator John Danforth, who has been calling for a centrist Republican to run for Senate. Food prices are skyrocketing for lots of reasons, but there are two crops playing an outsized role. KCUR's Frank Morris reports those two commodities touch most of the food Americans eat, and they now cost double what they did two years ago. High food prices fall hard on people like Leah Morning looking for a deal on pancake mix in a Kansas City grocery store. I couldn't even imagine. I have a three-month-old. I'm so glad that I don't have to worry about food for her right now because how the hell are you supposed to feed your kids when pancake mix is three, on sale three sixty-five when it's normally like two-something? This is horrible. This inflation is going to kill us. It's going to kill us before anything else. This pancake mix, like most of what Morning is shopping for today, contains corn. 
And Richard Volpe, an agricultural economist at California Polytechnic State University, says that's to be expected. Corn is everywhere. Corn is, in my view, unquestionably the foundational commodity to the U.S. food supply chain. There's nothing more important than corn. Volpe says that corn is a component, directly or indirectly, in at least three-quarters of the food and beverages here. Well, take the meat counter over here. Most of those animals were fed with corn, meaning that the price of corn is going to be directly correlated to the cost of raising and slaughtering and processing those animals. Milk, cheese, butter, too. Dairy cows eat corn. And those eggs you eat come from corn-eating chickens. Up and down the aisles in the middle part of a traditional grocery store, past condiments, sodas, mixes, Bobby says most packages contain at least a little something made with corn. Corn syrup's the big one, but corn flour, corn meal, it pops up in, in many, many, many foods, beverages. Nearly everything that's perishable, shelf-stable, corn's in a lot. Of it. And that's why corn is so important. And the price of corn is way up. That Russian invasion of Ukraine has taken what was already a market that was rising and has just kicked it into overdrive, has, uh, has driven up prices. That's Scott Richmond, chief economist with the Renewable Fuels Association. He says corn was rising on concerns about growing conditions before Russia attacked Ukraine. The war pushed corn prices into near-record territory. And you can see that outside the grocery store, too, here at the gas pump. It's hard out here. <laughs> Kishmagal is buying one and a half gallons of gasoline. 10% of that is ethanol, so more corn. Too high, you see $7? Ain't got none. <laughs> Ethanol's price has nearly doubled, along with corn. But the gallon and a half of gas that Magal is buying today is actually a little cheaper because of the ethanol in it. High as it is, ethanol is still about a dollar and a quarter less than gasoline. So corn is just about inescapable. And Bruce Babcock at the University of California, Riverside, says soybeans are huge, too. Really, uh, corn and, and soybean oil, soybean meal are everywhere ubiquitous in our food supply. The only place they're not really in our food supply is fruits and vegetables. But everything else has corn and soybeans. Soybeans are up even more than corn. And today's crop prices can take months to show up at the grocery store. So the effect of high corn and soybean prices will linger well into next year. But the good news? Corn and soybeans still make up a tiny percentage of the total cost of processed foods. Again, Bruce Babcock. The price you pay, that consumers pay at the retail, is more having to do with the price of the cost of labor, the cost of shipping, the cost of manufacturing, the profit margins up and down the supply chain. In fact, for every dollar Americans spend on food... Less than a dime goes to farmers. So while high corn and soybean prices drive up the cost of most foods, those dietary staples are still just a sliver of the overall grocery bill. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Frank Morris. In the Flint Hills of Kansas, some cattle now wear GPS trackers. It's part of a project to test a higher-tech version of invisible fencing for dogs. The goal? To help ranchers control their herds and protect wildlife. Celia Yopis-Jepson of the Kansas News Service reports. Prairies need big herbivores. The grazing helps certain plants grow. But 
too much chomping and stomping does add up, and you can see it along this stream in the Kansas Flint Hills near Strong City. All of the vegetation has been trampled and the roots have been torn up. Katie Silber is a doctoral student. A team of biologists is here from Kansas State University, and they're part of a new project that brings together scientists and ranchers in three states to see if invisible fences can help native plants, wildlife, and ranchers. Yeah, so when cattle create the cattle trails through the stream, it destroys that vegetation and it's harder for it to grow back. The project will put GPS collars on cattle for several years and use software to draw invisible fences. The cattle hear a warning noise coming from the collars if they get too close to the invisible lines. If they cross the barrier, they get a shock. Daniel Mushrush owns this land. He's a third-generation rancher. If I'm going to own Flint Hills grass, there's a moral obligation to treat it like it's sacred. His ranch is special. It's honest-to-goodness, never-before-plowed tall grass prairie. Almost all of North America's tall grass prairie has been developed or is growing crops. So many of the plants and critters here, their future is uncertain. Like the greater prairie chicken, it's disappearing. They're really a quirky animal. They're, they're really something. Mushrush does like the idea of helping them, but he says he also needs to pay his bills. Is it as important as me making my mortgage payment? Obviously not, because they can't take this ranch like the bank still could. His ranch butts up to the Tallgrass Prairie National Preserve. The Nature Conservancy owns that, and they're leading this project. Agriculture and conservation groups are often at odds, but here they're finding common ground. Tony Capizzo from the Nature Conservancy drives me into the hills to see the mushrush herd. Ranching needs to stay profitable. Because if ranches are profitable, he says, they can remain ranches. Otherwise, our continent's last bastion of tall grass prairie will surely get developed. Right, so if, um, you know, instead of one relatively large ranch, you know, that area is, is broken up and subdivided and more and more fences go out, more and more houses go out, that tends to come with more and more trees, more and more just human impacts. We find the cattle, they're on one of their favorite hills, and they're wearing collars with GPS trackers a bit bigger than an iPhone. <laughs> oh. And these devices will let Mushrush and K-State scientists get really nuanced about where these cattle wander. They want grasses to accumulate in some areas while cattle graze others. Capizo shows me the kind of thick grasses that birds like prairie right. chickens need for nesting. Kind of see and hear the thatch that we were talking about. You know, it's all this uh, dead residual grass left, right at, you know, ground level. Physical barriers aren't enough to achieve the goals of this project. Mushrush has more than 30 miles of barbed wire fence. It's rigid, he's constantly mending it. Even temporary wire fences really aren't practical for the kind of complex, patchy grazing pattern that scientists are testing here. But invisible GPS fencing? Are you going to be excited if it works as well as you hope? <laughs> 
I'm, I'm gonna be relieved if it works as well as I'm hoping. I kind of have high expectations for it. <laughs> he hopes this high-tech system will give him healthier grass so he can graze more cattle and so he can ditch some of those physical fences that he's always fixing. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Celia Yopis Jepson in Strong City. The Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadeen. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. You can read Frank's story on corn and soy prices and Celia's story on GPS for cattle at kcur.org, where you can also find more Kansas and Missouri news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.